On this episode of Stories Behind the Grind, you'll hear from social media marketing expert, Murray, who is the CEO of the Social Media Marketing Institute. We discuss how to break through to your ideal audience, how to resonate with your followers, and what the future of social media looks like. My name is Aidan Vokolo, and here you will find business strategies, tips, and tactics that you can incorporate not only in your own venture, but your life, to help you simplify and strategically grow, scaling up the impact you're having in this world. Listen as I talk to creators, innovators, and game changers on what it takes to build an impactful business, uncovering their insights, strategies, and tips to help you increase profitability and develop a thriving team culture. Welcome to the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. Marais, thanks so much for coming on the Stories Behind the Grind podcast. It's great to have you on. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. Um, Marais, you're the CEO of the Social Media Marketing Institute, an award-winning entrepreneur, including being awarded at the Stevie Awards for Women in Business and have spoken at conferences all around Australia. Tell me, what was life like growing up for you and how did you fall in love with social media? Well, I grew up in a home where I guess my parents taught me that, you know, you could believe in anything that you wanted to achieve. So, you know, as I was growing up, I always looked for opportunities to look at expanding my horizons. And funnily enough, I actually, you know, seeing myself now in social media, that is not the career direction I started with. I actually am a qualified zoologist, but as you can imagine, not a lot of job opportunities out there for zoologists. So went into the insurance space for a while and found in that corporate environment that, you know, it wasn't really a good fit for me. It was really stressful. I was doing three-hour commutes every day. You know, I just didn't like that corporate environment. So after being in the corporate space for quite a few years, I then decided that I actually wanted to follow my passion. And my passion was the fitness industry or anything to do with fitness. So I went into fitness. And at that time, I mean, this we're talking 15 years ago, I was looking at a way to be able to reach my audience and look at a way to connect with them. And social media really was just sort of starting to come sort of out there. And so when I started to see, especially when Facebook launched, saw how you're able to use Facebook to be able to connect with your ideal audience, I just totally fell in love with social media. And over the course of my career in the fitness industry, I used social media to not only build rapport with my audience, but was able to use it to grow my business around Australia and also be able to connect with people internationally. And after doing it, you know, being in the fitness industry for 15 years, I got to a point where the passion had died and it was more about being a job. And so I was looking for other avenues. And that's when I decided, because so many people have been asking me about how I was using social media, that I wanted to go into that space. It's certainly a big pivot to, to think about where you've sort of come from and what you started with to all the transitions you've made to sort of where you've ended up now in terms of the social media marketing world and how you've, you've taken that and taken what other people have sort of told you and you know asked you about and used that to sort of build a whole sort of brand now and business around around the core, what's part of everyday life really these days that wasn't, you know, 10 or 15 years ago. Well, it's funny when you think about it because there was actually a time when there wasn't social media, which for a lot of people that probably can't, they can't remember that time. And so I, you know, I use lots of different other types of marketing to be able to reach my audience. But when it came to social media and the way that you can just really drill down and zero in on that ideal audience member, you know, for me, just totally love its first sight when it came to social media. Just being being able to, I guess it gives you more direct access to individual consumers and, and people really than, you know, traditional marketing could have a dream of really. 
how have you leveraged that ability to talk to your ideal audience through social media marketing? Well, as I mentioned, when I was first starting out, I was using lots of different types of ways to reach my audience. And, you know, I, I mean, one of the things that I see that people probably go wrong with social media is they don't understand who their ideal audience is and to really be niching down and, and narrowing down to understand who they are and what their real key issues and, and concerns are because social media has opened up a world where we can build relationships with our audience better than we ever have before. I mean, when I think about when I started marketing my fitness business, you know, ways I was trying to market it, I was doing things like newspaper ads, I was doing letterbox drops, and really it was a lot of sort of throwing stuff out there and just hoping that it was going to sort of hit my ideal audience. And initially that did work. But what I found is because I was able to start to build a relationship with people on social media, and they were able to get to know me. And, the, you know, the people that I was speaking to were people just like me. That relationship was able to help build that audience, help it to grow. And then by understanding my demographic and the characteristics of that demographic, when I then started to look at doing advertising, I was making sure that I was hitting those exact people that I wanted to hit. You know, a lot of traditional marketing, it's, it's sort of, say, doing a letterbox drop. You're putting something through a street and hoping that just, you know, one or two at least of your demographic will be able to pick up what you're trying to market. But when it comes to social media, you can really dial in and really identify who those people are that you want to be able to message to. So, you know, when it comes to really getting your, you know, your message and, and building that relationship, there's nothing like it. What are some sort of key questions you recommend business owners asking? I guess for those that don't have their ideal, you know, ideal client or target audience really, really sort of dialed in. Are there any key questions that you recommend business owners ask themselves about, you know, their key audience to be able to drill down a bit more? Well, for me, especially in the fitness industry, I wanted to work with people who are like me because by me knowing, I mean, you know, mums who had kids who were time poor, who didn't, you know, they were trying to struggle to look after themselves, they were taking care of everybody else. Because that was me, I knew what type of problems and issues my audience was having. And obviously asking your audience is one of the first things you should always be doing because how do you know what to market or what message you need to share if you don't know what pains your audience are going through? So I guess one of the first things is to really identify, firstly, who that audience is. You know, for me in the fitness industry, Technically, I could say everybody either wants to lose weight or they want to be able to keep getting, you know, keep their fitness going. So that really would lend itself to a wide market. But when you're trying to speak to everybody, there's so much noise out there, you really speak to nobody. So by drilling down and focusing in on a key part of, of that fitness audience who I could relate to and understanding where their pain points were and what their issues were, then I was able to communicate with them and be able to market to them in a way that really was sort of resonated with them. And then that really helped build my business and my audience. Yeah, so true. Being able to sort of resonate with them, understand and articulate what their key problems, you know, and key concerns that they're facing. You know, if I was marketing to a, if we look at 18-year-old male bodybuilders, yes, you know, I have the qualifications to be able to train them and work with them, but the resonance with me and them you know, as my, my niche, I, I guess you could say, it, there's not really good resonance there. I don't necessarily understand all the, the intricacies of what they're going through and what they're feeling. And, you know, it didn't really 
have a good fit. And I guess when I was growing my business, I, like I said, focused in on just women. And so my boot camp business was all just women's only. And we were getting really great success. And it was quite funny because some of my clients came to me and said, well, my husband, he he's seen how I'm getting great results. He would love to be able to come too. I, have you thought about running boot camps for men? Okay, yep, that sounds like a great idea. I mean, you know, I'm not really tapping into that market. So I started looking at growing a element of my business that had boot camps for just men. And I did I had male trainers, but I found that when it came to marketing and splitting up my audience, I sort of was diluting my message because I was actually speaking to two different people and two different audiences that had different issues and concerns. And so I actually diluted my brand by trying to market to those two different audiences. So I ended up deciding to go back and just purely focus on my first ideal audience. Yeah, I was going to ask you, did you ever feel tempted to, to sort of expand, you know, expand markets? Because I guess it can be tempting to know, okay, well, there are other people that, you know, sort of need what I'm offering. And, you know, maybe it's a good idea to serve them. But sort of what you found is you were diluting your message and, in a sense, not being able to serve or not be able to communicate exactly what you serve because you were tackling it from two different angles. What would be the recommendation if business owners did want to tap into two two different markets? What would your recommendation be from a social media marketing point of view? Well, I would recommend, and just from a business point of view, that I wouldn't look at tackling a second different demographic or a different segment of, of a market unless you have really nailed that first one. Because unless that first market is profitable and it's easy to look after, it's easy to market to and you can keep it moving, I wouldn't want you to start then focusing in on a second segment because it takes your attention, it takes your finances and whether that's in social media or just business in general, I think you do have the issue that you can dilute what you're trying to achieve and whilst it might sound good to be able to have another, you know, audience segment that you can grab and market to, I'm a big believer from my own experience that you're better to focus on where you are the best at and expand offerings within your own market space than to try and then tackle another segment, unless you've got a sort of good team and big budget behind you. Yeah, definitely have the cash flow to invest in a new market because it's, it often costs a lot more than, than what you think it will. It's not, I guess, it's not, not as simple as just changing your messaging because you, you've got to, I guess, be aware of how that's going to affect everything else. And it's sort of another piece in the puzzle. So that, that's good advice for those looking to, you know, whether or not to expand into, into different markets. When it comes to social media marketing, what's your overall philosophy? Well, I think that one of the things that's really important is you need to understand what you're trying to achieve with social media. Because if you're just adding content out there, you're just adding to the noise. So I think you need to understand what your objectives are what you're trying to achieve and how you're going to do that through social media. And I think sometimes businesses just go out there and just try a lot of stuff. They don't really have a plan. They don't have a strategy. They don't have everything sort of worked out. And whilst that can work, mostly I think people need to really understand is that you need to really get that strategy in place and make sure that you're putting, it's not like you wake up in the morning and go, well, what am I going to throw on social media today? You really need to understand what your objectives are for your quarter and then how is social media going to build and help you reach those objectives. So I think that's probably one of the main things that I see businesses out there doing. They're just sort of throwing stuff up there without really focusing in on what their actual end goal is or what their achievements are. 
And I guess it then becomes hard to measure sort of what the result is from it all. If, if you don't really know what you're aiming for, that it's hard to know whether you've hit that, that target or not, because you sort of, you don't know what you're aiming for. So you don't know how much progress you're making towards it. How do you quantify what it is that you're trying to achieve? And when you're trying to talk to a, I mean, if you're looking from a social media marketer's perspective and you're trying to have conversations with a CEO or a managing director of an organisation to try and explain to them about the benefits of social media, how can you quantify their investment in one, you as your, you know, your wage and two, the spend if you can't quantify what it is that you're going to achieve for them? Now, a lot of businesses have this absolutely nailed. But I'm still seeing, particularly in the small to medium business space, people still sort of floundering a bit in that area. And I guess that, that comes back down to what you were talking to, having that you know key strategy in place before you use social media as a tool to achieve those objectives of what you're going after, not as a, I guess, a means to an end just to be on social media, which sounds like there's a bit of mixed, mixed messaging out there about, you know, just posting content for the sake of content's sake. Well, that's it. And, you know, people think that, you know, if they build massive audiences, you know, you see the whole influencer side of things, you know, there's a lot of people who just want to build a large audience. But if you build a large audience that doesn't really engage with you or doesn't buy from you, then, you know, what's the point? I mean, you're better to have a a more sort of a smaller audience that's really engaged. That will actually give you a better return on investment than a massive audience that doesn't really listen to you. Yeah, so it comes back down to, you know, those vanity metrics and getting obsessed with the number of followers that you have. But it's it's really, like you said, it really comes down to, well, how many of those followers are engaged with, with what you're putting out there, which then comes back down to knowing what your ideal sort of target market is. Definitely. Going, I guess, a little bit into the future, where do you see social media going? What do you see the future looking like for social media marketing? Well, it's kind of funny because, you you know, I've sort of heard over the last six to 12 months people saying, oh, well, social media is dying and, you know, people are not as as engaged in social media. And, you know, there are some metrics that do show there's a little bit of a change. On the whole, I mean, I think uh, with coronavirus, I think we've actually found that social media has provided a lifeline to a lot of businesses who might not necessarily have been right in the thick of social media because with social distancing particularly, being able to stay in touch with your audience and be able to market to them. Social media has been a a wonderful way that we're able to connect with our audience. So if anything, that has been something that's really, I guess, sort of woken a few people up, that that social media really does help you connect and engage. And whilst, you know, people say about the engagement of audiences, overall when you look at the statistics, the overall users on social media are growing. And when you look at those younger generations, those younger demographics, They might be a bit more selective with which platforms they're using, but they are using them all the time. I mean, I look at my kids and the way they're engaging. I mean, they use the different tools for different purposes. And, you know, they're actually using, like, for example, TikTok is becoming something where they are using it and watching it for hours and hours on end. So I don't think it's dying. I think it's changing. I mean, Mark Zuckerberg has said the future is private. I think more of that communication within social media in a private kind of manner, maybe not people engaging so so publicly. I know when I would in the past see something that I really liked on, say, Facebook, I would like it and I might share it. Where now what I do is instead of liking it and sharing it, I actually will share it into a message into groups of people that I actually, you know, these messenger groups with. So the way I've used social media has changed. So I think we're going to see it always evolving 
And I think, you know, when you look at some of the ways with, you know, the way stories are really connecting with people, I think more and more people are going to be using stories to connect. And I think we're going to see more and more ways that we can actually use social media to be able to, to purchase things. I mean, when you look at the way the Chinese social media is work, they do a lot of purchasing through social media. So I think that's where we're going to see a lot of it going. I mean, Instagram's already doing that in terms of, I guess, they're starting to build the, the functionality to it's sort of yes. slowly rolling out where you can, I think, click on and buy certain maybe clothing items on there. With coronavirus, they're also providing, like Facebook's providing an opportunity where you can buy gift cards and things to be able to support businesses. So, you know, there's lots of different ways that they're starting to have these more direct ways. So I think we're going to see it moving in that direction as well. Do you think there's any downsides for that sort of more movement to that more of a commerce platform through social media in terms of you know, sort of yeah. typical brick-and-mortar businesses? I think that it's great for businesses that they can do that, but I think we have to be careful that we don't take away the whole idea of social because social is about engagement. If all we do is sell to our potential customers and we don't engage and build relationships with them, then we can, you know, I mean, I know for me, I would start switching off. So I think that businesses need to just be mindful that the way they communicate is that they're not just continually pushing sales messages, but they're building relationships with that audience so that they will continue to, even if they don't want to buy from them today, I mean, you know, maybe only 10% of your audience is ready to buy at any one time anyway. So if you're just hitting people with sales messages constantly, then people are going to switch off. They're going to unfollow you. They're not going to want to be having any conversations with you if that's the only message you're pushing. But if you look at ways to engage your audience and get them to know you and, you know, you share great things that help them in their lives, then they will continue to stick around and then one day there'll be a time when suddenly they realise they need what you have and then they'll buy from you. So I guess it's seeing more about seeing social media more as a relationship building exercise as opposed to a sort of transactional based exercise where you're trying to build and think about it in in the long term from that relationship point of view as opposed to okay well how can I just sell and make money in the short term well I think if obviously as a business you're always looking at from a financial perspective I mean that's the goal so you can't just look at it from one angle or the other but it's how you have you marry those two together so that you can still keep moving to achieve your end goal, which is ultimately as a business owner to be able to sell those products to that audience. How would you recommend others engage their audience and you know build that relationship from a business point of view? Well, I think you've got to look at the long-term game. Like it's a long game. It's not like a short game. I mean, yes, you can go and hit people with ads, but I think it's about building those relationships. So, you know, I always look every time I go onto social media, look at ways that how can I add value to my audience today regardless of whether they're, you know, ready to, to buy from me or not. So I always look at ways that I can add value. So whether that's providing them with information, whether that's providing with, with something that just makes their day better, and it doesn't have to just be business focused. I mean, it could be something, you know, a story or something that's just very light that just helps them to make, you know, enjoy their day better. I always look that for every time I put a marketing message up, that there are so many more things that I put up that has no marketing message at all, that is just purely focusing on relationship building, providing information, helping them to overcome the pains or the problems that they're having. And by doing it that way, the relationship builds. And so, you know, like I said, you will eventually get to that point where you where that person is ready to come on board as one of your 
you know, one of your team or one of your clients. I love that um, sort of you're not just throwing marketing, um, you know, selling sales messages all the time. You're sort of building in anecdotes and stories and, and value add and information to just build, you know, to build that connection between you and them. And I think I think you hit on something there, which is stories. You know, stories are so important. My good friend, Miri Rodriguez, who she's just released a book called Brand Storytelling. And she's spoken at, at my conference uh, a couple of years ago. And Miri talks about the importance of building stories in your marketing messages because stories connect your audience emotionally to what you're trying to share with them. And, you know, we're more engaged when people tell stories. So instead of just telling something about a fact, if you can build that into a story that is engaging, then people will still learn something, but they'll also feel more connected to that emotionally. And when people are connected to you emotionally, that's when they're more likely to then take the next step in your sales relationship. Yeah. And I've heard, I guess, it's having that emotional connection first before you try to convince someone from a logical standpoint. It's often if you can get people you know, involved and sort of get their attention from an emotional standpoint, you have an easier time in providing value into what they're looking for. Well, then you don't even have to sell mm. because so if, you, if you hit it with them with a sales, a hard sales message, people obviously their barriers go up. But when you can connect with them in these kind of ways, their barriers are brought down and it's a lot easier to obviously share a message when it has that sort of storytelling through it than to just say, buy my stuff. I guess it goes back down to how we're sort of brought up as children even. You know, often storytelling is such a big part of development and, and growing up and learning from a young age. So I guess we resonate with stories because we're sort of, we've been immersed in it from, from such, such a young age as well. You can definitely tantalise the senses. Definitely. And, you know, like when you think about how do you teach children, like I've got three children, and when you think about how you want to teach children things, a lot of it is through storytelling, especially when you're much younger. So, you know, that doesn't change as we grow old. We still like to hear stories. And I find that when I post things on social media and they have a story base to them, if it resonates with the audience, it can go so, like, it can go viral. It really could. I mean, as long as the story is connecting with the right emotion. Yeah, yeah, correct. Exactly. It sort of takes an understanding of how to tell a story and how to tell a story effectively to, to be able to pull on those emotions. And, you know, it's not about just giving giving people facts. It's about weaving it into your own real-life examples or those of, you know, past clients or current clients as well. How those people can see themselves as the story because if you can tell a story that puts your potential client as the hero of that story, then they're going to see themselves there and being part of it. And I, like there's some great ads that Microsoft and Google, like there's this great one that Mary shared at my conference, which was an ad for Google. And instead of just saying Google's a great search engine, which, you know, that was, I guess, the message at the end, they told this story of these two Indian men who are really, they were sort of in their late probably 60s or 70s. And it was how they had been childhood friends, they had disconnected, and when they segmented Pakistan and India, they'd one had gone to either side. And it was a story about how their grandkids had been able to use Google to be able to find information about each other and then bring them together to be able to meet on the birthday of one of those men. Now, they could have said Google is a great search engine, but instead, they wove this story that had so much emotion. I mean, I've watched it many times and had a tear from watching the story. 
And that is powerful storytelling. That is powerful marketing. And then putting that on, you know, to be able to share on social media those stories really allows you to amplify that out to a lot of people. Yeah, I love that. Even just the way you explaining it just then. And, you know, I realized it's just audio, but it, you can sort of relate to it in a sense because, you know, we've all got relatives that over the world and, you know, to be able to connect with them. So you can, you can see yourself getting tied up in that story if you're not part of that story, but you can sort of imagine that you could be in a sense. Exactly. And so you then put yourself into the story, even though it's a story about two Indian men, you can then relate to that story in your own life and then that brings you into a connection emotionally with that product, which then is a much easier sell than saying Google is a great search engine. Yeah, and try to convince people of how fast it is or how expansive it is and everything else. You know, Exactly. That's some really, really powerful messaging. How have you used uh, stories on LinkedIn and how do you recommend business owners use stories on LinkedIn to, to grow their audience? Well, I think that now it's actually really important because, you know, businesses with, you know, are sort of looking at how to, what's, what should I be sharing on LinkedIn, particularly at a time when, you know, we're having a pandemic and, you know, people are trying not to be too salesy. And I think, you know, for me, when I think about some of the things that I've put on my LinkedIn, you know, I start with something that is typical with storytelling is that you've got to have something that catches somebody's attention because when they're scrolling through the feed, they're very quickly making judgments on whether they want to actually read what you've posted or they're going to skip to the next thing. So when I'm looking to post something, I'll always make sure that I have like a catchy first line that grabs their attention. And, you know, with LinkedIn, when you're scrolling through the feed, it only allows a, a, you know, a few lines of, of the beginning of your post to be seen. So I've got to make sure that those couple of lines have something that's really going to capture somebody's attention. So they go, oh, okay, I need to read that and I need to spend time reading that. So that's what I found. Things that work really well is when I put a really good catchy line that brings some sort of emotive element into that. You know, like I remember once I posted a line that said, and then I was, you know, tears just rolled down my face after the, you know, what had happened. Now, when somebody's scrolling through the feed and they see that, they go, oh, I want to know why that person was having such an emotional reaction. So they're more likely to have a bit of a read about what it is that caused that reaction. You know, so they're the kind of things that I look at when I'm looking to post is how can I put something in, into a story about something that's relatable to my potential audience and how can I have a really good couple of first lines that will grab someone's attention to make them want to read more. It's so important in, in this day and age where our attention is so fractured at the moment. And we're bombarded with information. Anything you, you can do to sort of grab the attention of the reader. And like you said, having that emotive element is, is a great idea. Being able to sort of stop someone in their tracks in a sense, go, oh, look, tell me more. What's, uh, what's going on here? So, um, it's a great way to get people involved in the content, in your stories and um, in your message as well. You've also got to make sure that the those lines actually do marry up to what the story is because if you just use a great line to get people to, to read on but you don't deliver in the in the promise then obviously then next time when they see something like that they're not going to obviously read and continue on so you've got to make sure that it's authentic and that's going to that initial line will marry up to the promise of what they're expecting to, to learn about yeah i'm glad you sort of added that clarification to it all because it's not a it's not a hack in a sense you can't just overuse it and if it doesn't have that connective element if you're using it just as a device to get people's attention, but it doesn't connect to, you know, the rest of your message or the rest of your um, sort of post or content, you can definitely um, put people off the wrong way. 
Yeah, people learn very quickly. And the thing that I've found is that if you are authentic, whilst not everybody's going to love what you post, the right people will. So I also don't want people to be put off and say, well, you know, I don't want to be me and they try to be like somebody else. You know, they try and be a Gary Vaynerchuk or they try to be somebody else. You have to be authentically you and speak to your authentic audience. And whilst that might not be everybody, you'll start connecting with those people who are. And remember, it's not, again, about the size of your audience. It's about the relationship you have with that audience regardless of the size. So if you can make sure that you're being able to be authentic and connecting with people who who are a match to that authenticity, and even though it might start small, it will grow. That's really, really good to sort of wrap this whole conversation in, in you know, being authentic and sharing your, your true self through your messaging. And like I said, it's not about how big your audience is. It's, I guess, how many of you resonate with them and you know, how they engage with your content. And it's, it's an overtime thing. It's a patience thing that that will slowly build. That's right. And then obviously you can supplement it with ads and things to be able to get there quicker. But, um, you know, I, I look at this as that I'm in this for the long run. I want to build that authentic audience. So, you know, it, it takes a little bit of time. And I did that with the fitness industry. And then I was able to then take the things I'd learned in the fitness industry and then bring it over into the social media space. And, you know, one of the reasons I wanted to start the Social Media Marketing Institute was I wanted to actually help people who are wanting to do social media marketing to be able to help them with, you know, building their skills, to be able to help them to be with the Social Media Marketing Awards, be able to be elevated and celebrated for those who actually do a fantastic job. And when you look at some of the, the social media campaigns that people have out there, they do amazing work to be able to achieve things that we've been talking about today. Raya, just to, to wrap up and then we'll let people know how they can get in contact with you. What's your definition of the grind? I probably have a little bit of a different definition than you would imagine people would say with the grind because when you think of the grind, you think of people just working hard, working 24 hours a day, doing all those things just to, you know, be successful. And see, I have done that in the past where I've worked really long hours to do that. But to me, the, the grind about achieving success is actually, one, is about enjoying the journey because in the past I've just worked hard just to work hard to try and get to my end goal quicker. So it's about enjoying the journey and all the things that I learn along the way and the relationships that I build. But it's also about, for me, as I've got older, it's not grinding so much. It's about really just building an authentic business, something that I'm, you know, I'm really proud of and I'm not trying to sort of push my message of people. I'm trying to take people on the journey with me. I guess that's what I'm trying to say. I love that definition. Everyone's got a different um, different perspective, but thank, thank you for sharing yours and, and sort of what it means to you and about enjoying the journey. And where can people find more about you and the Social Media Marketing Institute? Sure. If you want to know more about the Social Media Marketing Institute, the address is smminstitute.com.au. If you'd like to connect with me, probably the best platforms to connect with me on would be LinkedIn and Twitter. And I'm always happy to get a message from you, particularly through LinkedIn. And it's basically both my handles and my name. So it's M-I-R-E-I-L-L-E-R-Y-A-N, Marae Ryan. We'll include those in the show notes as well, where people can connect with you, especially on LinkedIn and um, check out your website and your business. Fantastic. Marae, thanks again for coming on the podcast. Truly great to hear your um, sort of experiences, where you've come from, how you've used the learnings in your fitness industry and how you've used that um, in the social media marketing world and all the advice that you've shared. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. 
Thanks for listening to this episode of Stories Behind the Grind. Please share the podcast. And if you're not already subscribed, be sure to do that right now. If you enjoyed this episode, I'd love it if you could do me a quick favor and rate and review the podcast. This lets the platform know that I'm doing something right and people like the content. It'd be a huge help and I'd be really, really grateful if you could. Until next time.